0: All right, so the exhortation. So you have these rich oppressors, right? They're oppressing you. They're being mean to you. They are persecuting you. They are harming you. And what is the exhortation of James to the mature believer? Because remember, James is addressing believers in the church. He's not, he's not addressing non-believers. He's not addressing your atheist neighbor. He's addressing you. He's addressing me. And he says, okay, in the light of wrongdoing, somebody is coming against you in the church, and they are harming you they are doing things that you don't like they're doing things that you disagree with whether morally doctrinally spiritually emotionally ethically it doesn't matter he's saying these people are oppressing you these rich oppressors he says therefore because they are doing this and because the lord he is the judge and he is the one who's going to judge them therefore be patient and you think what no 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 when somebody does something wrong to me what do i do right? What's your natural inclination when somebody comes at you and they start like doing things that are wrong? What do you do? You withstand them, right? Sometimes you get in their face. Sometimes you even yell at them. You have an argument. You you do all this stuff and, and you start like warring, but he says, no, he says, be patient, brethren, be patient, right? That means, yeah. I mean, think about patience. Like nobody ever wants to pray for patience, right? Have you noticed that everybody always says that. Don't pray for patience, because then God is going to give you opportunities that you're going to need patience for. But you know what? Here's the thing, guys. God's going to do it anyway, right? If you need patience, see, even though you don't mouth it, the Holy Spirit is inside you uttering things that cannot be understood. And so the Holy Spirit's going, yeah, you know what? Uh, Jesus, uh, Father, this guy needs a little bit of patience. This lady, she needs some big time patience. Send some, send some stuff her way, okay? Thanks, Lord. Right? Now, obviously, it's the Holy Spirit's talk. I, I, I'm, I'm being a little bit um, funny. But really, in the end, it doesn't matter whether you pray for patience or not. See, the Lord, he knows. In the same way that you know the lessons your children need to, to work on, right? right? Chloe needs to learn how to have an inside voice. Because her inside voice is her outside voice. And her outside voice, well, it's loud. Okay? You know, she needs to work on that. Okay? I know that because why? I can hear it. And in the same sense, God knows what you need work on. Right? And even if, if times are hard, even if it's oppressive and you feel like you're in great tribulation, right? You, to say, don't pray for patience, don't pray for patience, that's just silly. God's going to give you what you need. He is fashioning you for eternity. He is preparing your heart. He's molding you into the image of his own son. Right? Would you like to get to eternity and still be broken? Of course not. So we need to be people who welcome the hand of God in our lives, whether it be in correction, rebuke, reproof, whether it be in encouragement and and bolstering up, or whether it be tearing down, we should say, blessed be the name of the Lord, like Job, right? Who is an example that we're going to be seeing tonight. But I want you to notice this. There's one thing here because oftentimes, you know, we kind of like, talk to ourselves like, oh, be patient, you know, for the coming of the Lord, right? We, we want to make sure that we're patient. It's like, oh, Lord, I really want you to come. I really want you to come. Me as a father of three more girls here on earth, right? I, I've got three girls. and I'm like, Lord, please come before dating, Right. Seriously, I don't even want to deal with that because I'm going to be an insane dad. Right. I'm going to be calling Hector to come over and maybe Jen like big guys. And like when when these guys come to visit my daughter, you know, they're going to get the life scared out of them. Right. For sure. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go and get my, my, I have a katana, a very real and very sharp sword, right? And I'll be like playing with it when they come. And I, I do have a martial arts background, so I know how to use it even. You know, so it's like, you know, I'm going to be terrifying. But you know, that's not really what he's saying here. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until. So if you haven't, if you're taking notes, circle, highlight, underline, do something. Make note of that word, until. Because you're to be patient not for the coming of the Lord, but you're to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Ooh, that doesn't sound as nice, does it? Being patient for the coming of the Lord, that sounds great. I could do that. I'm happy to wait for the Lord, right? We sang a song about waiting for the Lord. But to be patient until the coming of the Lord implies something very different. Because being patient until the coming of the Lord, especially in the context of verses 1 through 6, means that though these rich people are oppressing me, though this person in my church is hurting me and making me feel awkward and bad and ooh, generally not good, now we are to be patient until the Lord's coming. That means you're to keep being patient. Right, Love suffers long and remains kind. That's uh, the, the first attribute of agape love. That selfless, self-sacrificing love that we are to have within us. Right? That is the evidence of our salvation. That the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. That we are willing to lay down our rights. We are willing to lay our pride down for somebody else. Even if they don't deserve it. And that's tough. And how long? Until the Lord returns. Ooh, that sounds almost like a prison sentence, doesn't it? As I was reading this, I was like, Oh, really? Really, Lord? Until the coming of the Lord. There it is, black and white. You know what that means in in Greek? Until. Bummer. Okay. But then he, he gives us an example. He says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, This is an important thing. What is the farmer waiting for? Is he waiting for an opportunity to to dig up more dirt? Is that what he wants to do? Is he he just like, I really like digging in the dirt. I really like breaking my back with manual labor, waking up before the sun and going to bed exhausted just because it's fun. Is that what the farmer's doing? No, but he's waiting for something, isn't he? he? He's desiring something. There's an end, right? He's working for a goal. And you being patient, even under suffering, even under persecution, even under unfair treatment, is working in you something. And the Lord is using it. It is a tool in God's hand to fashion you for eternity, to make you look more and more like his son, Jesus the Christ. That is what he is doing, and that is what we are to do. And that's what James is drawing attention to. He says, as the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Guys, how much more should we be waiting for the precious fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life? How do you know that that you are going forward with the Lord? How do you know that you're not going in reverse? Well, I'm going to tell you. This is how you know that you are gaining maturity in the Lord. This is how you know that you have the ear of God, that God is speaking and you are understanding and you are taking his word because, you know, we go verse by verse, line upon line through the scriptures, right? All of them. Well, how do you know that it's really changing you, right? Because in the end, if there's no change, then what did it do you? Nothing. Nothing. Right, If you come here and you're, you're here for five years and you know the Bible inside and out and you leave here and you're exactly the same as when you came, then something happened or didn't happen and that's a problem. So what is it that we're waiting for? How do we know if, if God has truly changed us? Well, this is how. Somebody does something offensive to you. Somebody does something that cuts you deep into your heart. And instead of being raw and being angry and attacking at them, instead you forgive them and you're patient and you're kind and you pray for them and you genuinely think, Lord, they must be having a really bad day. Lord, please just don't even count it. Don't even count it against them. Lord, I forgive them. Please don't hold it against them. Right? That's what Stephen did. Remember the first martyr of the church? They were murdering him. And what was his attitude? Was it, Lord, strike them dead? No. But instead, he said, Father, do not count this against them. Right? Don't hold them responsible for my death. Lord, I lay down my life willingly. That's the same thing. That's that reckless love that Jesus exhibited, isn't it? It's that very same thing. And so, guys, God is working in us And he is telling us, he is exhorting us to be patient. Anybody in this church, in this church, seriously, ever annoy you? Don't raise your hands because then you'll just be like, everybody like, was it me? Right? Was it I, Lord? Right? I'm sure they have. Right? Come on. Seriously. Right? There's, There's probably times when I've annoyed you. Is he talking about that again? Right? But in the end, God is working on you. There, there, there's a reason. Have you ever noticed that if there's like an irregular person in your life and they drive you nuts, right? They absolutely, ah, and you're going crazy because of them. And then you finally deal with them or just ignore them and get rid of them. But something happens and they're out of your life. And you're like, thank you, Lord. Ah, and the music starts playing. And then the knock at your door and it's another irregular person. You're like, no. Have you ever noticed that that happens? Let me just tell you this. I'm going to let you in on a little spiritual secret. It's because of you. God keeps sending them to you because you haven't learned the lesson. right? He It's like in school, if you get the, the the spelling word wrong, guess what? You're going to have to keep doing that same spelling word again and again and again until you get it right. So get it right, right. Figure it out. Whatever it is that God is trying to work on in you, Yield to it. Submit to it. Allow that fruit because, you know, a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. But you know what? How much more precious is the eternal fruit of the Holy Spirit and agape love in the life of a believer? (laughs) Right? But you must wait patiently for it. Right? Wait patiently patiently for it, even until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now, uh, if you're familiar with agriculture at all, in Jerusalem, they have two sets of rain. The first rain would come And that would be the time where you break all the sod, and it it, it loosens up the dirt, and you break it all up, and you plant your seeds, and you get it going, and your plants start to grow, they start doing their thing, and then there's another rain that comes like several months later, and it's a second rain, and it just waters the earth, and it allows the crops to really drink in that moisture, and grow, and become vibrant, and produce great fruit. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. But see, we in our lives, see, we have to make sure that we wait for the full working of what God is doing in our life. Otherwise, if we try to, to, um, to harvest before the season, I mean, think about it. If, if a farmer goes out, let's say he plants a whole bunch of like peanuts, right? So he's got a whole crop of peanuts out there and they're growing and they're getting all green. And when the first little buds that are going to grow into peanuts start to form, he goes <laughs> and he goes out and he, he tries to harvest it all. What's he going to have? Really untasty peanuts, right? They're going to be horrible, right? They're going to be unripe. They're going to be terrible tasting and they're not going to be very nutritious, right? That's the reality. And in the same sense, how many of you guys have ever tried to get out from under what God is doing in your life, right? Right? uncomfortable, don't want to be here. Yeah, I've done that, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, went backstage pass and everything. I don't want anything to do with this. Get me out of here. But see, we try to get out from under what God is doing in our life and that's like trying to harvest before the time. It's trying to harvest before we've learned the lesson. It's trying to harvest before the, the, the fruit is ripe in us. How will you know when the fruit is ripe in this? When it doesn't bother you anymore. Ooh that's when you'll know i'm ready i can move on right when it no longer bothers you when that person is even though they're just as annoying as they've always been but it no longer bothers me that they're so annoying right those of you who have children know exactly what i'm talking about (laughs) right it's it's like it stops bothering you because why because patience has worked it's perfect work in you that's what james said earlier remember When it stops bothering you, then you'll know that you've learned the lesson. When that irregular person no longer seems that irregular. Right? When you actually can have fellowship with them. When you can have a meaningful conversation with them. And you're not like, when you leave, go like, "Ah, I want to kill them. That's when you know. Guess what? You grew. You passed the test. Well done. Okay? You need to know. And don't try to harvest too early. Because you'll end up with little green berries. And that's not good, right? That's not good. That's not what you want. But instead he says, you also, just like that farmer, he says, you also be patient. There it is again. he keeps saying patience, man, be patient, establish your heart. And that means make firm a fix, right? Strengthen it. So it doesn't move. He says, establish your hearts in what? In patience, in letting it have its perfect work in you, right? bearing up underneath the burden and just saying, Lord, your will be done. He says, affix your heart to that. When? Until the coming of the return of the Lord. Right? It's coming. He says, the the Lord is coming. It is at hand. And be patient until he comes. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop. Because God is going to produce a great fruit in your life if you will just trust him. If you will just wait on him and not try to run but we can run running doesn't do very good stuff though does it either you're gonna have to learn the lesson again you're gonna run 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 and there's gonna be the same problem waiting for you when you get there to wherever you're running to or he's gonna send a really big fish to puke you up on a shore somewhere right either way no bueno right we don't like it we don't want to be there so instead instead of running instead of trying to harvest before the latter rain Instead, establish your heart, gird yourself up for it, be patient. But now here's the aspect of it that's really tough, right? This is the part that goes so against my nature. It's like nails on the chalkboard. The context, once again, is those rich oppressors, those evil people in the church, right? Who are who are treating you unfairly. And this is what he says in verse nine. He Look with me do not grumble against one another brethren lest you be condemned what are you serious now they're wronging me don't i have a right to stand up for me i mean nobody else is gonna do it why not me he says do not grumble that word grumble can also mean complain he says don't complain right this person Hurt your. How many people here have had somebody in this church hurt your feelings before? Serious. You can raise your hands. You don't have to be afraid, right? You guys are lying. You know it's happened. Come on now. <laughs> All the sound team raising hands. I like that, right? But in the end, right? If somebody's hurt your feelings, now what do you typically do? You go home and talk to who? Your spouse. Uh, or you go and you talk to maybe somebody over here, maybe a good close friend here at the church, man, you know, they did this and da, 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 da. Guess what that is? Complaining. It's grumbling. It's also known in scripture as murmuring and all of it is bad. Looked down upon frowned on by God and even considered a sin. Okay. So he says, don't grumble. You who wish to be mature in the faith, do not Grumble against another brethren. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to, if somebody hurts you, number one, you're supposed to forgive them, right? Because you are allowed to be angry, but not unto sin. That's the first aspect. Second one, um, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. That means you have 24 hours, right? If they sinned against you the very first thing in the morning, right? You, you got until the sunset. when now in the winter, you actually have even less time. Sorry. Right? So you have until sunset, and then you've got to forgive them. And then the third aspect of it is don't be angry at all. Put away that, baby. Right? Don't get angry. Don't be provoked. Allow it to go aside and just say, you know what? I'm not even going to get angry. I'm not going to allow them to provoke me, but I'm going to bless them instead. I- I'm, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them. Right? Don't fight fire with fire, but with water. Come on. Right? Don't, don't grumble against one another. Don't complain against one another, lest you be condemned. Why would you be condemned? Because the, basically what happens is, that, l- let me just give you a picture of what happens. So let's say that somebody comes to you and, and they hurt your feelings. And now you go and you complain to five other people in the church about that person and what they did. And now those five people, when they look at that person, go like, oh, how could they? And then those five people will inevitably talk with somebody else and and share about what they that one person did to this other person. And guess what it happens to do? It's called gossip. And then that gossip starts going around, going around, going around. Then that person, even though maybe... Maybe they were just having a bad day or whatever, but th- now they start feeling ostracized within the church, and they, they start getting really angry about that person who started telling everybody about what they did, and now there's like this weirdness, and every time those two people in the same room, you feel the ice, right? You feel the awkwardness. You feel, it's like, ooh, right? And then people are like, man, this church isn't a very loving church. I, I'm, I'm out of here. And it starts causing division, and, and it, it really creates a bad atmosphere in the church, All that happens through complaining and grumbling and murmuring. And God says, don't do it. Don't do it. But what should we do? Well, Jesus told us. Number one, did the person sin against you? This is a very important question. Is there sin involved? If it's not sin, then it's just your emotions. Then I would say, you know what? Give them the grace that Christ gave you. And bear the burden of it yourself. As an act of worship to Jesus. Can you do that? It's not easy. You have to crucify your emotions and that's not easy. But that's what you should do. If it is sin, then Jesus told us what to do. You who have been sinned against, go to the one who sinned against you and you tell them. If they repent, you've won a brother back. No division in the church or anything like that. If they don't, then you give them a little bit of time. You come back with another person, a witness, and you say, hey, and you go through the whole thing. If they still won't repent, then you go like, ooh, give them a little bit more time, and then you go get the pastor and say, and then the pastor comes and I say, hey, is this true? Yes, it is true. Will you forgive them? No, you won't. Okay, well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave the church. That's what Jesus said to do, and that's what we are to do. That's if sin's involved. If it's not sin, then I would say, forgive them and let it go. Let it go. Bear the burden. Give them the grace that Christ gave you. He says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. He says, Jesus is right here among us. Do you know that? He's right here. Leave room for wrath. They are Christ's servant. And Christ will judge all of his own servants. You don't need to judge them. You don't need to hold on to the burden of like, oh, I'm angry at them. And that is a burden. Make no mistake. It is a burden. He says, the judge is standing at the door. He is coming quickly. Be patient until he comes and he will set all things right. Okay? Can you trust that? Can you believe that God will do what is righteous and just? Can you leave the judgment and the wrath to him? I hope so. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord so their men moved by the Holy Spirit as an example of suffering and patience. They both suffered and were patient. You, you think of like guys like Isaiah. You think of guys like Elijah. You think of guys like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? right? They suffered and yet were patient. And indeed, we count them blessed who endured. Right? They endured. He says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. Right. The perseverance of Job. W- w- what did Job do? He sat there and he didn't accuse God foolishly right he didn't curse God a, a, a like everybody else wanted him to but he endured it patiently now now he did sin against God a little bit he started saying God you know what you did was wrong and if I could plead my case then you would totally forgive me God you made a mistake on, on this whole sickness death of my kids and all this stuff thing but in the end He didn't attack God. He didn't turn his back on God, but he waited patiently. Can you imagine what would happen? Like, what would the story of Job, it just wouldn't have the same um, meaning if in the middle of it, Job just said, ah, forget it. And he cursed God and then killed himself. Right? It doesn't have the same like, hmm. But now we look at Job and we go like, dude, that guy was awesome. I can't even, I've only lost one kid. He lost all 10 of his kids. Right? And he got the, the things where he had all the boils and he's like scraping his skin. He's like popping the boils with shards of pottery. And he, he's sitting on an ash heap throwing the ash on his head because he was so miserable. Right? I can't even imagine that. But yeah, you know, we look up to Job. Like, cause I understand his worship when you're in that place of torment and you lift your hands to God and you worship God in that place. To most of us, that's entirely foreign. It's only when you go through a great sorrow that it even begins to make sense at all. And I sit there and think about what he went through and go, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine it. I can't even fathom it. But we call him blessed because he endured. He didn't give up. He didn't forsake. He trusted. And then as he trusted, as he waited for the latter rain, he saw the intended end that God had prepared. And Now think about it. Yes he lost ten of his children. Yes he lost his fortune. Yes he lost his health. Well his children. Well they were in heaven. He only got ten new ones. He got double his fortune. He regained his health. But you know what the most. Important part of the whole thing. That, that Job got out of the mercies. And blessings of God. Before his ears had heard. But now his eyes have seen. He knew God in a more intimate way than he had ever before. And he couldn't have unless he endured, unless he waited patiently. And God was very compassionate and merciful. But then he says, above all my brethren, do not swear either. And that means make like a promise. Either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. That's the second time he said, lest you fall into judgment, lest you be judged. What's he saying here? It seems kind of out of context, doesn't it? For this whole be patient thing. Well, here's the thing. These guys are withholding their wages. That's the context. They're withholding the wages. They're they're, they're being mean. They're, they're, They're oppressing them. He says... You don't worry about them. You be patient until the coming of the Lord. He says, but it doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what promises they broke. He says, you don't break your word. Whatever you committed to, that do. Even to your own harm, he says, do it. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't swear by, oh, I'll get it done, I promise, boss, and then not do it he says don't swear don't make a big deal of it he says just do what you said you would do that is the exhortation for us believers that is a way for us to walk in maturity that is the evidence that the holy spirit is getting a hold of our life and changing us right that we have patience even when people are horrible to us we are kind and we do not grumble we give of ourselves freely and we wait looking anticipating the work that God is doing in our lives when will you know that you've passed the test when is it time to harvest remember when it stops bothering you how many of you have something right now that's bothering you come on right when will you know that you have passed the test when will you know that you are ready for the next thing that God has for you when you can forgive whatever that is when it ceases to, to drive your insides nuts and twist your stomach, right? when the anger drains from your face and you have calm peace and you can offer grace and love, then you'll be ready. But until that day, the Lord's probably going to keep you where you're at. And even if you try to escape and harvest your fruit too early, guess what? There's another field right over there with the same stuff. And you'll be just be going circle after circle, lap after lap after lap. It's like the Indy 500. Left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn. Crash! Left turn. Is that what you want your walk to be? No. Trust in God. Allow Him to complete the work that He says He is faithful to complete. He has begun it in you, and He will complete it in you, and He will fashion you for heaven. And that is a glorious thing. He has a very good intended end. If you trust in him, you will see it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we pray that you would help each one of us to apply these things to our lives. Lord, there are so often are times that people or circumstances, Lord, will just weigh down on us. Lord, help us to find your presence in all of them. Lord, you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. And even as Daniel was in the lion's den and Hananiah, Mishael, and Nazariah were in the fiery furnace as Elijah was by the brook Cherith, Lord, you were there too. You were keeping them safe. Lord, you were with them. And Lord, even as Stephen breathed his last, you were there as he looked up into heaven and saw you standing at the right hand of the throne of your Father. And Lord, we know, we know that you are standing with us. Whatever we may be facing, whatever trial, whatever pain, Lord, you are with us and you will never leave us. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Have your way in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.